You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first guest uh, of today and first topic of today. We're talking to high school student Carl. Lamb about his advocacy work in mental health, including his latest book on this very topic. Welcome to the program, Carl, and thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We are on Facebook Live as well, so you'll be able to see and also hear Carl there and also see his wonderful book that he's brought along with us. Uh, before we talk about the book, um, you're, you're studying uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I'm currently 17. I'm a high school student. Um, I've basically lived here in Hong Kong all my life, um, but I was um, born in the U.S. Um, and have been studying at a school, German-Swiss. Um, and so really, I think today we'll talk a little bit about how my school is really a second home to me and how it's been a community to me. Um, and yeah, you know, I one of my passions, I think, really lie in communications work and working in the media. Um, I've been working in places like Time Out and South China Morning Post. And I think that one of the great things about being a journalist, whether it's freelance or being an intern, even though people say it's sort of a, a dying industry, I think it's still very much alive in terms of how to give really important topics or really important people uh, a valuable platform. Absolutely. We love journalism. And, you know, I think, I believe radio is making a comeback. People Mm -hmm. love a bit of podcast and and audio, um, as old school as it sounds. Um, So mental health is is a topic that's close to my heart as well. So when you reached out to me, I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, So what sparked your interest uh, in in uh, your advocacy work in mental health? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, I come from a generation where mental health and well-being has been a really hot topic because it's something that really plagued my community, especially here in Hong Kong, where, you know, I hear about these stories every now and then. I've got mutual friends. I've got close friends, my, you know, close circle of people who suffer from disorders, um, be it eating disorders or personality disorders. Um, on the other hand, on the more extreme end of the spectrum, you even got people, I think the number was 75%. So the number of, 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 um, full-time people in education, I think between 2016 and 2017, um, the, the suicide rate increased 75%. And that's a tremendous number considering that we're Hong Kong, a pretty small city. Um, and so that really sparked my interest. And I felt that, you know, I have a platform and I have a voice and, and I hope that I can sort of shed some light on this really important topic. Yeah. Do your friends and, and your peers talk about this or is it something that, you know, like previous generation, you know, mental health isn't really much discussed? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing the same with the younger generation? Yeah, I, you know, yes and no. I think that coming, you know, I have to be honest, you know, coming from a private international school, we do have more resources to counseling. We're very, very incredibly fortunate to have core classes and, and a curriculum that embraces mental health and well-being wherever we can. Um, but that being said, you know, we, a lot of students and young people come from sort of traditional Chinese families. And there has to be, I think, a cross-cultural dialogue and also an intergenerational dialogue because we've got, um, older generations here in Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong's an aging, has an aging population. 
where they come or stem from a different background, where mental health really was something that was brushed under the carpet. Um, and so I feel that sometimes when we talk about mental health, we're almost walking on eggshells and, and we do have to sort of be careful. But I think that's sort of all the more reason why we have to talk about this. Absolutely. I mean, it's good enough for public radio. We're mm-hmm. talking about it uh, during a lunchtime program. Yeah. So I hope people will, will uh, turn up the radio and re- really pay attention to their own mental health because it's easy to always admit that, you know, we're okay and, and to sweep it under the rug. Whereas in fact, maybe we're not okay. And it's okay not yeah. to be okay, as cliche as it sounds. So I know you've published a book on this very topic yes. and uh, you very kindly uh, brought along a mm-hmm. copy. Tell us a little bit more about your book. And uh, we want you to go on Facebook Live as well. Noreen yes. Mir on RTHK <laughs> Radio 3. Carl Lamb has published a book uh, on the topic of mental health. Yeah, so this, um, thanks for bringing it up. Um, this book was really very much inspired by sort of community well-being and being, you know, obviously this is a personal passion project, but I think it's applicable to anybody out there, whether it's a community in your home or whether it's a neighborhood community or whether it's a community in your schools or workplaces. This book um, originally started by basically me trying to find out more about other people and about people who are close to me and people who I don't even know. So I think it maybe it's the journalist inside of me, but I really wanted to go out there and find the real stories. And I think what is so um, powerful about it is that it sort of speaks or brings to mind this topic of mental health because it's about sharing those stories. It's about embracing sort of inclusion and diversity um, and having this sense of open door policies. Um, And so, for example, I had, um, I interviewed one of my teachers here um, who had spoken to me, um, you know, we, we spoke privately, um, I interviewed her, and she talked about how she lost her father when she was young, and also her younger brother, um, I think when she was 11. And I think that really um, sort of was a huge toll, and, and, and she had a personal stake um, in that in terms of mental health. And, and for her to share that story, it was almost like relieving a burden. And for other people, um, sometimes you've got sort of introverted or quiet sort of students who might not feel so comfortable in their new environment. And so when they see that in a book or when they see that um, sort of posted on the school board, they feel like they're not alone. And they feel like, you know, whatever challenge or, or setback they're, that they're going through, they can actually see that their teacher or their fellow student or someone else has actually gone through that same process or something similar. And, you know, I think sometimes when we're amongst a lot of people, um, especially, again, coming from a private international school, there's, and even here living in Hong Kong, there's a pressure to be perfect. And there's a pressure to save face and look sort of pristine and perfect. And I think that you know, sometimes, as you said, it's okay not to be okay. And so that's a big message behind sort of the work that I've been doing. Yeah. yeah. Where, where does the pressure for a student come from nowadays, do you think? Well, I think it's sort of a vicious cycle. I think the pressure comes again from the culture and again from the generations and society that we've been brought up here in Hong Kong. Um, and parents then sort of put that pressure on educators. So um, people working in the education system here in Hong Kong, whether that's in public schools or private schools, that pressure is still very much existent. And um, as a result, the educators and teachers and people working in that system then push that pressure and set 
more homework or set deadlines and things for the students. And so the students have an incredible amount of pressure coming from um, from everybody, essentially. Um, and that pressure, you know, to put that into perspective, I think that pressure on one hand has helped us. I mean, we're one of, you know, the best economies in the world and we do incredibly well and our students, again, are, are some of the best in the world. But at the same time, when there's so much pressure, it's almost like a pressure cooker. You know, you can cook, um, you know, food really fast, but up to a certain point, they start to have cracks. And, and I think that's where we really have to think of a long-term solution, you know, asking ourselves, is the education system here in Hong Kong really beneficial in the long run? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, your interviews mm-hmm. uh, with the people in, yeah. in your book, Humans of German Swiss. Uh, what was it like sort of getting people to open up about their uh, vulnerabilities and, and insecurities? Yeah. Um, I think, to you know, when I first started off, it was a lot of hoop jumping. It was talking to management and, and talking to sort of all, all different stakeholders, um, sort of considering the consent forms for some of our younger, um, younger students. Because they're all under yeah, 18. Yeah, they're all under 18 because um, this is high school. Um, but eventually, I think... One once you show people that you're coming from a good place and that you've got good intentions. And again, I think this is about sharing your story. You're not alone. You know, we're in such, you know, we're so fortunate to have a diverse international community um, of people who are so strong and who have such amazing characters and personalities. And when you see that quite literally together in a book, um, you know, you feel like you're not alone and people want to join in um, and they want to join in in that conversation. So it it was hard. Um, Like most things here in Hong Kong, it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of convincing and persuading. But once you show them that this is going to be a monumental sort of phenomenal project, then they really want to join. Were people sort of reluctant and I find that as well, you know, mm-hmm. going out to interview people, um, you know, you get a couple who are quite shy. But once you explain your intentions yeah. and, and they're chatterboxes, really, did you find that as well? When- yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I sort of wanted to, to show everyone was um, this whole idea of inclusion, um, because, you know, again, coming from a, a, an educational background, when I go to school, it's the community that I see as students and teachers. Um, and that's a valid form of community. After all, it is a school. But I really wanted to sort of redefine what community meant. And in, in many cases, you can see that I even sort of interviewed people like security guards. I interviewed um, the chef at my own cafeteria. I interviewed the janitors working in our school. And they have incredible stories. And, um, you know, I could really tell that these were people who have amazing personalities and they have stories to tell. And they need visibility. And they have, um, hopefully in this book, they have a platform and they have a place where they feel like they're known and they feel like they have a voice and a place in this community. Yeah. What did you talk to them about? Because uh, a lot of uh, of the content in the book Mm -hmm. are in quotation forms. I'm sure you spoke to them and got their story. What were you talking to them about? Well, I think with a project like this, it's for me, it was so vital not to approach it like an interview. It was a conversation at most. And um, when I was approaching um, to them, they would share a bit of information and I would share a bit of information about myself. And it was that dialogue. And I think that's 
um, in part what makes it so successful is that it's not sort of a scary interview. Um, we're not putting you on blast or whatever. We're sort of having a down-to-earth, a genuine, meaningful um, conversation. Um, and, and that's the starting point for meaningful, complex, sort of personal relationships, again, within a community. And I think when we're talking about mental health or well-being, um, you know, a lot of the times people are saying that we need more funding um, and we need sort of more um, psychiatrists in the public sector. And and absolutely, I agree. Um, I think we've got, I think the rate's 4.5 um, psychiatrists per 100,000 people in Hong Kong. That's very low. Um, and we've certainly got a shortage of them in public sectors. So funding is one thing. And, and that's certainly sort of one way we could tackle the issue on a sort of a governmental sort of... Um, on a governmental uh, forefront. But I think that people also have to go back to the basics. And it's about being kind. It's about reaching out to people. It's about um, talking to people who might not feel as sort of welcomed in the community. And so for me, it was talking to people like janitors or security guards or, you know, wh whoever. Um, and, and I felt that that was a responsibility as a young person here in Hong Kong. Um, you know, from a fairly privileged background, I had to give back to the community in that way. Gosh, Carl, I can't believe you're in high school. You're incredibly <laughs> uh, articulate. Yeah. So I also understand a part of the inspiration for this book was um, a job that you, you did before mm -hmm, where yeah. you worked in a in a local bakery. Tell us more about that. Yeah, um, thanks for bringing that up. So I, um, last year, I um, sort of, um, I just... Uh, was searching online and I um, was partially also interested in sort of sales and marketing as a potential um, career. But also I, I really wanted to sort of enter the workforce. I was 16 um, when I joined. Um, I, I joined sort of, it was a mid-size, almost a startup. We are, we're called the Cakery, so um, we're located in IFC. We've got a pop-up pop shop in the Landmark and Lee Gardens, um, and I would work on weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays. And I think, you know, again, it's about going back to the basics. That job um, it wasn't the most glamorous of jobs, but it was fun. And for me, it was about resilience. It's about determination. It's about stepping into someone else's shoe. You know, it's sort of not, again, it's not exactly the most glamorous of jobs. You know, I was working, uh, I was earning pretty much minimum wage. But that's sort of the reality. You know, again, I go to a private school, so I do have a privileged background. But for me to step into someone else's shoes and, you know, I was working at that pop-up sh pop shop on weekends and, you know, I did almost in, in certain ways um, feel a sense of isolation. And so for me, again... And that's a reality yeah, for so many people yeah, it who is are a working minimum wage here mm -hmm. in Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah, and so for me, again, you know, at the end of the day, what I did was take a photo, interview them, jot down a few notes. And so I think it baffles me um, when a photo and a couple of words can can add so much meaning and add so much value to a community and, and speak volumes in terms of inclusion and diversity. Um, yeah, so, you know, partially the inspiration behind this book stemmed from my personal background and my journey. Yeah, well, uh, thank you so much for your sharing this afternoon with us. Remind our listeners, have you got a website or, or a Facebook page or where can we find mm -hmm. out more information about you and your work and your book? Yeah, so um, you can all uh, visit my blog. Um, it's humansofgermanswiss.webnode and that's my personal blog where I add um, tips and links to mental, um, to mental health resources here in Hong Kong.
Hong Kong. And obviously, you can check out all the incredible profiles and stories, um, and they'll all be available on the website. Carl Lam, it's such a pleasure to meet you and to speak to you. I look forward to your next project and to invite you back on the show next time. Thank you for having me. Thank it's you very much. <laughs>